Hebrews chapter 12. We're also going to be uh, in Titus 3, just a couple of books over. Hebrews 12 and Titus 3, but first let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 9. The Bible says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? It's not Father's Day, and I'm not preaching on fathers. Let me tell you something. There are whole segments of our society that has forgotten that verse. We have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. There is an epidemic of fatherlessness in our society, in the whole West, really. And they have no reverence for the fathers, and they do everything they can to tear down the fathers. And the number one characteristic of both men's and women's prisons is a weak or absent father. And we have a society that's doing everything they can to weaken them more. And it's ungodly. And it's going to be a a mess. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse until we start reverencing fathers again. You say they don't deserve what they never have. But your society won't work if you don't reverence fathers, whether they deserve it or not. There is not anybody that deserves anything but to burn in hell forever. Now, I am not justifying sorry fathers. I'm not. But when the Lord said, honor thy father and thy mother, he didn't say, unless they don't deserve it. He said, honor thy father and thy mother. You are just going to have to do that. When he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, he didn't say, but only if she's perfect and really deserves it. And why see that she reverence her husband as the Lord Jesus Christ, but only if he deserves That's not the way God's word works. It says what it says, and you do it. Because God is the one who said it. But we are coming up on Father's Day here before long, and that did pop into my mind. All right, uh, we'll continue Hebrews 12, verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. A little something your father isn't doing for you? Let me tell you who steps in. God the Father. He's a perfect father. You mad and bitter against your mother or your father, you know what you need to remember? There is a perfect heavenly father that can take care of you. And if you're hurting for a good father, and yet you don't have God the Father running your life, I caught you in a lie right there, because you can have the perfect father, and you've rejected him. Don't complain to me about the father you were given. If you're rejecting the one perfect one that is standing there with his arms open, ready to take you at any moment. Verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present. Oh, there's the problem. The perfect father, you know what he does? He blisters you good. (laughs) Don't ask me how I know. If you take the perfect father, he will blister you as you need it. And you will need it regularly. (laughs) Do you ever notice this isn't the way they talk everywhere these days? (laughs) You, You read the sermons in the churches 100 years ago in this country. They went more along these lines. Today... They're a lot more smiley. (laughs) Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness 
unto them which are exercised thereby. Look what we're getting to. End of verse 11. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know where you want to get in your life? You want to get to where there is the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know where you'll never get as long as you have this bitter, mad at mom, mad at dad, mad at brother, mad at sister, mad at husband, mad at wife, mad at society. Mad... You'll never get to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We're going to preach about that. Now, one other passage here. Let's look at uh, Titus. 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, just before Hebrews there. All right, what do I want in Titus? Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, and you talk about this all the time, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. All right, we're going to preach today on some things that will bring you peacefulness and profitableness. Peacefulness and profitableness. I titled this message, Self-Help Tips in God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will come down now and bear witness to the truth of your Word, Lord. And I pray that you help us to teach and preach some things that you've sure revealed to us straight out of your Word. And <coughs> from our life experiences. And God, I pray that you'd help some people, particularly some young people. But Lord, everybody, everybody needs a number of these truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now, uh, when I got out of college, I was about 22 years old, and I came out into a little bit of a recession, and wasn't able to make much money, and I was selling lumber at Lowe's, and a young couple came through the line buying some lumber, building their house, and they were younger than me, and they were already married and building their house, and I was older than them and wasn't married and couldn't dream of having enough money to build a house. So I decided right there, life had passed me by. <laughs> I was a loser. There was no hope for me. How in the world could somebody younger than me be both married and building a house, and I'm making an hourly wage, and no hopes of anything ever happening in my life. My glory days was gone. It was when I played basketball that I had some glory and had a sweetheart or two in high school and, and had some fun times and that's all over now. I've failed. And uh, that's one of the funny things in life. I told them at the mission last night, I came across a pretty hard rocking oldie from my high school days called uh, Glory Days not long ago. And this guy tells the story of how that uh, he found a friend of his that used to be a pitcher, you know, on the baseball team in high school. And uh, they got together, and as they were talking, all that guy ever wanted to do was talk about Glory Days, Glory Days, and the, and the Chorus says, they'll pass you by in the wink of a young girl's eye and, you know, glory days. And then the next verse is something about he found this girl he'd gone to high school with. And, you know, back in high school, she could turn all the boys' heads. But, you know, things have changed. And she's married and divorced and two kids. And whenever she gets all sad and crying, she just laughs and thinks about the glory days. And he said, now, here I'm going to probably go drink a bunch tonight and I uh, hope I don't think about it, but I probably will. And one of these days, I'll just be telling boring old stories of glory days. Let me tell you how to get past that. Find God's will for your life and do it. Amen. And you know what you'll find? You'll find that you're in the glory days at every stage of your life. And furthermore, they'll just get better and better and better. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. I'm old and bald-headed and over the hill, 
And I'm in the glory days of my life right now. I, the Lord has opened doors for me and I'm able to spread the Word of God and teach the Word of God and do the things that He's called me to do better than I ever could. i got things going on. I, I, I can't tell them all. There's no way I can even tell them all. And uh, thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for some influence that I'm able to have and some work that I'm able to see going on. Now, Bob Jones Sr. said the principles of success are the same in any pro profession. In our day of the scientific study of success, and a lot of people have done it for generations now, many psychologists and self-help authors are rediscovering the principles of success. But the best way to teach these principles in a spiritual and biblical context. And after that story I told you about where I decided life had passed me by, I got reading the self-help literature and read Og Mandino's Greatest Salesman of the World and Greatest secret in the world and Napoleon Hill think and grow rich and some of Tony Robbins and a, way too many for me to sit and remember them all right now and I got noticing some things because I'd been raised in Bible believing Baptist churches and that was the things that really had the power in those self-help books were things that were based on the scripture and I already had the answers to the problems that I was facing or thought I was facing and that reminds me of that great speech Acres of Diamonds where he gives story after story after story of somebody that was just pining away and just dying for something. And the very thing they were so hungry and thirsty for, they had right there. And one real memorable one is some, some guy that was digging for, uh, looking all over the country, trying to find a place that had you know precious stones and things that he could mine. And he finally found one that he thought would be a pretty good chance. And he sold his place and moved there and they didn't have it. And he sold his place and moved to another place and they didn't have it. And then come find out the person that had bought the place where he'd started out found it right there on the property he was already on. <laughs> and he gives story after story after story where people don't realize they're sitting on acres of diamonds. They're sitting on an oil field. Listen, folks. If you will find God's will for your life and do it, Bob Jones Sr. said the man who is a success in this life is the one who finds God's will and does it. Don't get sidetracked from it. Don't get looking at your stupid phone and listening to your stupid radio and looking at all your chats and messages and emails and God knows what to the point you're not listening to God. Get alone in a field without a single stupid device and meditate on God and talk to Him and read your Bible every day and let Him open up some things to you. So I want to give you some, some uh, self-help tips that are found very clearly and very obviously in God's Word. All right, number one is gratitude. Bob Jones Sr. said, When the flame of gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. Uh, here in the United States of America, you got some things you ought to be thankful for. Amen. You have been blessed. Amen, brother. There is no price tag on the freedoms that we enjoy except, one, blood. Number one, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, some people that cared so much about freedom that they risked their lives for it. And we ought to be thankful for that. I mean, the money is flowing freely in this country, not, and not with our government. Goodness gracious. Can you believe there are 30-something trillion dollars in debt and want to talk about raising the debt ceiling? Why even have a debt ceiling? If you're at 30 trillion, why does the dumb thing even matter? But be that as it may. But as far as individuals, man... As particularly in this part of the country, the money is flowing, boy. Isn't that something to be thankful for? 
You know how many places struggle? Hey, we could almost use it to be cut back a little bit. We're getting a little stupid with our spending, aren't we? We're getting a little stupid with our eating, aren't we? We're getting a little stupid with our free time and recreation and just blowing money on a bunch of stuff that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. We've actually got a little too much, if anything. Gratitude. Man, there's some things we ought to be grateful for. Here's the problem. The lack of gratitude leads to more gross sin and misery. I'm real sure that one of the reasons this country hadn't already fallen off the cliff is because we still have some thankfulness. We still set aside a day every year called Thanksgiving. And anybody honest enough knows we're thanking God for the blessings that we have. All right, now let's uh, let's look over here at Romans chapter 1. It's a familiar passage. And I want to show you how thanklessness gets into some real trouble. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, here's the phrase, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now look down at verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. When you start getting perverted, you know where it started? You weren't thankful. Amen. Your husband just wouldn't do you right. Your wife just wouldn't do you right. Your mom and your daddy was mean. Your whatever. Your boss didn't give you the raise at the right time. Your teachers had it in for you at school. And on and on and on. Instead of being thankful for all the blessings you have. And I'm not saying all these people were perfect. I'm sure some of them did do you wrong. You want to just let that wreck your life or you want to straighten up and do right? You know where it ends up? It ends up in perversion. Just look at what's going on in the American schools today. Do I paint a correct picture or do I exaggerate? Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Oh, you in certain circles of society are not supposed to say anything about the women. It's the men. <laughs> They're the abuser. They're the horrible. They're the... And here God, who created male and female, is free after talking about how messed up the men are to say the women are too. Oh no! Oh no! You're not allowed to say that! That's not correct. politically correct. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Uh-oh. God took their minds to where they was doing stuff that didn't even make sense. You know what's going on in this country? There's a bunch of people aren't doing stuff that doesn't even make any sense. You know where it started? They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Amen. You know why you better celebrate Thanksgiving, and by that I mean actually thank God? Because it heads to more perversion. 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. <laughs> Do you see how God points out where this stuff starts? And that list 
It starts with neither were they thankful and disobedient to parents is right there on the list. All that mess. All that perversion. My goodness. All right, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll just study the Word of God a little bit here today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. There's our two big red star examples again. Disobedient to parents and unthankful. Mixed in with unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Uh, here's why you need to have gratitude, because if you don't, it leads to gross, messed up, perverted Amen. sin. <laughs> Number two, you ought to have gratitude because it pleases God. You say, well, you're a preacher. All you ever talk about is God, God, God. Well, here's why. He's all there is. <laughs> Things going good in your family, that's a blessing of God. You making some money, that's a blessing of God. You got good health, that's a blessing of God. <laughs> You got air to breathe and water to drink and food to eat, that's a blessing of God. You got your soul saved, or you're going to live in heaven forever when you die, that's a blessing of God. Amen. It pleases God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. You remember in the Old Testament how long God would take page after page to tell them exactly how to do those sacrifices? And to tell you the truth, it gets a little boring reading, it doesn't it? I mean, who cares if you kill the thing and cut it this way and that way and put it on? That stuff's real important to God. He takes chapter after chapter, page after page telling it. And then in Psalm says, here's something that will please him more than those sacrifices that he spent pages on if you magnify him with thanksgiving. Wow. And just like the self-help books teach, and I'll admit some of them are secular, you need to be thankful. You know what the Word of God says? You need to be thankful. Self-help tip number one, gratitude. Are you willing to close your book of complaints and open the book of praise? Amen. If you'll get willing to do that, it will help your life in ten ways more than I can tell you in a sermon this morning. Number two, selflessness number one is gratitude number two is selflessness that's the opposite of selfishness mm -hmm. Lord help me live from day to day in such a self forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray my prayer shall be for others others Lord yes others let this my motto be help me to live for others that I may live like thee this attitude emulates Christ and obeys God. Romans chapter 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. I mean, that's just as clear as it can get. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Only two choices on the shelf. Live for God or live for self. Who do you live for every day? Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ 
pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Philippians 2, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'd be reading those self-help books and then talk about how thankful you ought to be for the blessings you enjoy and how selfless you ought to be and always thinking about others. You ought to have to admit they had great truth there because that's a biblical truth. Tell you something else, this attitude pleases the Lord and invites blessing in your life. You say, I tell you what, I'm tired of doing something for everything else, everybody else. I need some me time. It's time I take care of myself. That's real popular in a lot of the literature these days. Let me tell you the best thing you ever did for yourself. Forget about yourself and start serving others. Amen. Amen. Word of God says that's what brings the blessing. And one of the best examples, maybe the best example of it in your Bible, other than the Lord himself, is uh, Solomon. I'm going to read to you from 1 Kings. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Lord, let me have that. <laughs> I mean, God shows up to Solomon and says, Tell me what you want. <laughs> I've got a list ready. If he ever does that... I'm good to go. (laughs) I am prepared. I doubt that I'll get it, but boy, if I do, I will be ready. Verse 6, And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. You know what Solomon did? He didn't say, All right, now, Lord, all I've heard all my life is David, 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 this great David. Here, give me mine now, Lord. It's my turn. I'm king now. He didn't say anything like that. He didn't say, all right, Lord, I need some me time. All right, God, now I've got to take care of myself here. He said, Lord, you've given me a job. I've got a great amount of people. You give me some wisdom so I can take care of your people, this job you've given me. Amen. The Lord said, all right, I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give you everything you didn't ask for too. Amen. 
You go to God and you say, Lord, you help me be the mama I'm supposed to be or the daddy I'm supposed to be or the boss I'm supposed to be or the co-worker or the citizen or whatever in relation to what God has given you to do and the people God's given you to take care of. And guess what? He will take care of you. Amen. Somebody fighting for themselves will never get the blessings that they'll get if they'll quit fighting for themselves and go to God. He can bless you better than all the blessings you could ever fight for. Yes. <coughs> Selflessness. All right, number one was gratitude. Number two was selflessness. Number three is humility. Humility. Bob Jones Sr. said, Pride is the stone over which many people stumble. All right, now you want to get rid of any pride that you have. You might have pride in your self-righteousness. You might have pride in your church. God help you. If you've got pride in your preacher, he's a mess. You might have pride in your family. Oh, we're good. Oh, what? Bless your heart. No, you're not. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all deserve to be in a devil's hell if not for the grace of God. We are no count except where Jesus made us worthy. We may take pride in our country. Let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the blessing of God, this country wouldn't be any better than any other. And don't get me wrong, I'm an American. You know what I teach and preach about the freedoms that we enjoy and how the Virginia Baptist God enforced and all that stuff. I believe all that stuff. I'm not backing up on any of it. But every bit of it's the grace of God. It ain't because we're good or smart or strong or anything like that. Humility. Now, here's the reason you need humility. Humility appeases God's wrath. Uh... Because we're such sinners, as the Word of God teaches, He is angry at us. <laughs> you are under the wrath of God, the Bible teaches, if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's where we start. But one thing that appeases God's wrath greatly is humility. Second Chronicles 12, 12, Rehoboam is in so much trouble that the Lord splits the kingdom and takes most of it away from him, and he just gets two tribes and God is so mad at him, he's taken the kingdom, even though he's David's grandson, away from him. And still, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 12, 12, And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. When you see the Lord's giving you a good spanking, get real humble. Don't stand up for yourself and start telling how great you are. No, not to God. <laughs> not in that context, brother or sister. You hang your head, admit you're wrong, and he's right, and you get real humble before God. You say, I'm not going to do that. See ya. I'm not going to be around for the <laughs> to catch the ashes. Second Chronicles 33, Manasseh, the worst king of Judah. The worst king in their whole history. Amen. It says he did worse than the heathen. And him, one of God's people. At least by birth. And the enemy nation comes and takes him and puts him in prison and binds him up. And the worst king that Judah ever had has this testimony. Second Chronicles 33, 12. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him, 
And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Rehoboam, Manasseh, when they humbled themselves before God, everything turned around. Are you needing to turn around in your life? Let me tell you what to do. Humble yourself before Amen. God. Quit thinking about or talking about how right you are and how great you are. And hang your head in the place. And I'm not saying you're wrong on everything. Do not misunderstand. If you're here in the Bible Belt, you've heard some good teaching and some good preaching, and you've got some things right, especially if you're saved. I'll give you that, okay? I'm not taking away the stuff you have right. But let's be honest and admit there's still plenty of stuff we got wrong. And stay humble about it. Rehoboam, Manasseh. Now let me give you the best one of all. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 21. Or I'll read it to you. This is the famous King Ahab. I mean, is there anybody worse than Ahab and Jezebel? Lord, what horrible, horrible stories we read about Ahab and Jezebel. And even Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. I mean, they had a great teamwork going up, buddy. They, they stirred each other up into all kind of filth. Verse 26, And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring this evil upon his house. Even Ahab got out of a whooping from God because he humbled himself. Let me tell you something. When the self-help books tell you to have gratitude or thankfulness, when they tell you to have selflessness, and when they tell you to have humility, they're telling you right. Because that's based on the Word of God. And it got Rehoboam... Manasseh, and even Ahab out of trouble with God. Hey, listen, don't go around proud. You can have confidence. If you study the Word of God and you live, in according, live accordingly, you can have some confidence, but it ought never turn into pride. If, you, if you're ever tempted to get proud of yourself, just remember there's a holy God that knows every dirty thought you've ever thought, every nasty word you've ever said, every deed you've ever done that nobody ever else ever knows. Don't you get proud of Him looking down on you. He won't put up with that for two seconds. Gratitude, selflessness, humility. Humility is the prerequisite for exaltation. Pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 18, 12, Before destruction the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Luke 14, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Again, Luke 18, 14, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The way up is the way down. Amen. You want to be exalted? Get down. Put your head down. The Bible said when that uh, publican was making things right with God, he didn't even lift his head up. 
but smote on his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Bible says that Moses, when the Lord started talking to him out of that burning bush, it said he looked away because he was afraid to look on God. You stay humble, especially before God. Gratitude, selflessness, humility. All right, number four, industry. Industry means hard work. Nehemiah says, so built we the wall for the people had a mind to work. You know why the building and grounds looks nice here? Because some people got busy and had a mind to work. Amen. You know why we're supporting the missionaries we're supporting? Because some people had a mind to work. You know why we was at the mission last night? Because some people had a mind to work. You know why we've got scripture signs that we go out and hold on street corners and John and Romans that we go and spread all over this town? Because some people have a mind to work. I mean, there's work to that. There's trouble. There's thought that has to be put into it. And shoe leather has to be wore out, walking around handing that stuff out. It's work. There will be blessing to industry or hard work. Hard work is the key to success. Proverbs 21.5, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. Just be willing to work and work hard and work for long years. I'm talking to some young people here. It's just going to take some years of work. But let me tell you something. It's blessed times while you're working. You'll have good times. You'll have blessing of the Lord. Now, they won't all be easy. They won't all be fun. There will be opposition. There will be trouble. And there will be things to overcome. But it'll be great times of blessing. And you'll look up. Next thing you know, five years has passed. And you've made some real progress. And it's a blessing. It's a wonderful life. It's exactly how you want to live. You know why? Because the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. But everyone that is hasty, well, I don't want to wait that long. They were saying a few years ago that the millennials all didn't understand why, you know, their second year there, they weren't the CEO of the company. <laughs> That's not the way it works. Now we've got Generation Z coming in. I read an article on them. It was, oh boy, not too good about how workers are having to adjust to Generation Z. Uh, X, Y, Z. I remember I was in Generation X, and they talked about how sorry we were and still living with our parents years later, you know, and all that sort of thing. And then here came the millennials, and that was the worst thing anybody ever heard of. And now Generation Z, and that's the worst thing ever. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It ends with Z, right? <laughs> what are they going to do next? I don't know what they're going to call it next. I guess we start back around with A. I don't know. But uh, listen, it's going to take some work. Hard work is the key to success. Proverbs 22, 29, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. You don't need to find the perfect job. You just need to be diligent at the one you got in most cases. Now, there are exceptions, but and occasionally God will move you and praise the Lord for it. But be sure it ain't because you just didn't want to work. Gratitude. We ask ourselves the question, are you willing to close your book of complaints and open the book of praise? Selflessness. We ask our, ourselves the question, are you willing to stop looking for friendship and start being friendly? Humility. We ask ourselves, are you willing to believe others are quite as sincere as you and treat them with respect? Hey, let me tell you something. I, I know the Bible-believing Baptists, and that's all I'll ever be, and I love the Bible-believing Baptists, but because we are Bible-believing Baptists, we get thinking we're the ones that has it right. And everybody else is so wrong. Hey, let me tell you something. There are some people who haven't had the teaching you and I have had, and they're sincere and love the Lord just as much as we do, and sometimes Amen. more, and they do more for Him. And it's good for some Bible-believing Baptists to get reminded of that every now and then. Amen. Others are quite as sincere as you, and therefore let's treat them with respect. 
you know what that proves? That proves we're humble. It ain't just me and my mama that's got everything right. It ain't just me and my daddy that's got everything right. Humility. Industry. Hard work. That's what we're talking about now. I want to ask you this. Are you willing to ignore what life owes you and think about what you owe to life? If you'll start giving everything you got to life, you'll be surprised what life will give back to you. Now, not tomorrow, not next week, but you put a few years behind you. Wow. The blessings that will start to come. Now, with some heartaches and with some disappointments and with some setbacks, yeah, sure, this isn't a perfect life, but boy, there's some blessing that comes with it. Tell you something else hard work gets God's attention. I read my Bible and I read that a man that was a real hard worker by the name of Gideon, God showed up for him. And Gideon was not a perfect man. And he was a little cowardly, and don't get me wrong, I'm not beating him up. I don't blame him. If I had that big of an army against me, I'd have been scared too, okay? So I'm not beating him up, but he wasn't exactly, you know, the greatest hero. But the Lord saw this about Gideon. That guy works. If the Lord tells him to do something, he might be scared to do it and take all night to do it, but he will get it done. Um, Gideon, who else we got here? David. When the Lord called David, you know what David was doing? He was tending sheep. He had a job he was going about. When the Lord called Elisha, you know what he was doing? He was plowing a field. When the Lord called Matthew, he was collecting taxes. When the Lord called Peter, uh, James, and John, he, they were all fishing. When the Lord called Paul, he was persecuting the church. You know what God notices? He notices somebody that's working. He notices somebody that's doing something. You know what will bless your life? If you'll get up and get busy and get working. If something keeps you so distracted you can't work, turn it off. Focus. Work. Enoch in the Bible, back in Genesis chapter 5, it says uh, God, Enoch was not, for God took him. Now what did Enoch do where God would take him? Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that, here it is, diligently seek him. You know what gets God's attention? When he looks down and somebody is absolutely wearing it out. <laughs> I mean, they've got the pick and they're digging like they're digging to China. God notices. He says, all right, now there's somebody I can use. And when he calls somebody, he finds somebody that's busy. He finds somebody that's working. He finds somebody that's interested in getting something done. How's your work ethic? Gratitude, selflessness, humility, industry. All right, I'll give you one more. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You take something that's dear to you and precious to you and give it up. Sacrifice it. Amen. For the blessing of God. Give up your time, your worldly commitments. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says this, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know what the Lord did when he tested Abraham? He took that son that Abraham loved so much and that Abraham had waited so long for. 
And he said, all right, go up on this mountain that I'm going to tell you of and sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. And Abraham got up and did it. And God said, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me, I swear, blessing I will bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And the blessing of Abraham went on him because he sacrificed. Christians, decide there is nothing on this life more precious to you than your relationship with God and sacrifice everything for it. Now this isn't for your salvation, you understand. Salvation is a free gift. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, okay? Not talking about how to get saved this morning. That's just a free gift. You just receive Jesus, boom, he saves you. I'm talking about if you want real blessing in life, if you want to be one of his disciples with the full blessing of God, it's going to cost you something. Just like if you want to invest your money in something that will make you a million dollars one day, you're going to have to go ahead and give that money up right now. Now, it'll bring back great returns, but you will have to give it up right now. Now take something that you can't keep anyway and give it up to gain something that you can't lose. That's a real good trade. Sacrifice. Number one, because when you give up time and worldly commitments, you please the Lord. Number two, you give up your resources. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Notice that phrase, to enjoy. You know what happens with people that keep their stuff and won't give it up to God? They get to keep it, I'll give you that. But they don't ever get to enjoy it. God is in control of your enjoyment. No, God, not my kids. No, I'm doing with them what I think is right. He'll make sure you never enjoy them. No, God, not my money. uh, This is mine. I worked hard for this. He'll make sure you never enjoy it. You give it to him and you enjoy it. And people will be talking about you. Remember the little boy that had the five loaves and two fishes? What was God able to do with that? 5,000, not even counting the women and children he fed with it. What if the little boy would have kept it? He'd have had five loaves and two fishes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't know what you got, but you give it to God. It is a good trade. Which giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. You be you have that stuff ready, so that as soon as the Lord says, I need that, you say, Amen, Lord, here you go. I wouldn't hold any, anything back from you, God. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hebrews 13 says this, But to do good and to communicate, that's good old English for giving, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Maybe the most famous passage on this is found over in Philippians 4. We're we're at the last part of the last uh, point here, so let let me read Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, the Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, 
therewith to be content. Verse 14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I was departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. There is a just God who's up there watching what's given. And he blesses fruit to your account when you give to him. And when you don't give, you know what that tells me? That tells me you don't believe he's really up there wanting to bless you for it. Verse um, 18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You can't outgive God. And we talk about that every year when we do our faith promise. I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question as we talk about sacrifice. Are you willing to stop looking for someone to help you and devote yourself to helping others? All right, we've seen five self-help tips in God's Word, and you'll find these in the self-help literature. Gratitude, selflessness, humility, industry, and sacrifice. You know what these are? These are action-producing attitudes. And they're recognized in the self-help literature, but they're true because they're found in the Bible. These attitudes, though, must be worked at. They sometimes go against our natural tendencies. I think these days they call that being counterintuitive. <laughs> you wouldn't think it's that way. But we must work at these things and constantly develop lest we let them slip. The Bible says this. It says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Am I talking to somebody that wants a life that is both acceptable to God and approved of men? Here's what you do. You serve God with righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And using these self-help tips found in God's Word will help you do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your Word. Thank you for the truths that are found.